So we have been busy. Yes, we have. You know, sometimes uh, the fall can slow down a little bit in real estate. People always ask, should I list my home in the fall? Or, you know, should I make sure we get on the market in the summertime? Do homes sell year-round? And generally speaking, homes do sell year-round. But we've kind of enjoyed for the last few years just a little bit of Maybe just a little bit of uh, relaxation. Yeah, October is usually when I travel. And I do indeed have a, tri- a trip planned, and yeah. hopefully we can get out of town with uh, too much problem. But yeah, you're going to Hawaii, right? I am going to Hawaii. I don't know if you want people to know that, but yeah. which means I'm going to be. Uh, I'm actually celebrating my 20th year anniversary oh, my with That's my awesome. beautiful wife Heather. So yeah. we're going to Hawaii to celebrate. Well, that sounds like a lot of work for me. I know. When I leave, there's doubles of work for Justin, for sure. <laughs> but, man, I've been watching you just been so busy. Oof. I mean, just, you know, six Oof. days a week, all yeah. day long. And I've had a lot of busyness, too. And, you know, you put six deals under contract I in the have. last week or so. I'm yeah. about to put another one under contract. Uh, so that's exciting. We got our Highland rehab finished and under contract and hopefully yeah. closing this month. Well, we're That's really excited exciting. about that one because, uh, first of all, that is such a great property. And it's always fulfilling when somebody walks through and says, wow. Get a lot of positive feedback on an that An amazing one. job on this property. And to kind of hit the numbers that we were projecting, actually a little higher than the numbers yeah. we were projecting, although we did put we're a lot of money into that. <laughs> but, but we really make up for that because the market can yeah. tolerate it. Yeah. And, uh, but that's, that's been an I was just up there the other day with my kids, and I thought, oh, gosh. Why are we selling this thing? I'd be so tempting to move into that That's thing. That's our problem. We fix these things up so beautifully we want to keep them. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, so, so we got that deal going on. The other thing is, is we're going to close on those uh, that Aplex yeah. next week. So That's I just got deal. the final approval on the loan. Good job on uh, that. This week. And so we're closing on that. And then, man, we just found this uh, really great deal that we kind of missed out on because yeah. it went on and off the market so fast. I yeah. mean, within a day. Well, hours, I think, really. It's kind of a historic property, and we won't tell you which property that is yet, <laughs> but let me just say that it's one that I've always wanted to own, which is so funny. And I thought, nobody's ever going to sell that thing. It looks like somebody, you know, it's like a little hobby farm <laughs> in the middle of the city. And I, I drive by all the time, and uh, I happened to see the realtor sign in there. I thought, oh, man, here's my chance. And I called, and she said, I have never... This is an agent that's been in, the market, in our market for like 40 years. She says, I've never had so many phone calls on this home because everybody wants to know what that thing is valued at. Yeah. And uh, she said, it's, she, I called on, she said, it's already under contract. And it had been like a day or a day and a half. And um, uh, I said, oh, I would have had so much fun on that property. And she called me back this week said, Justin, do you want a shot at this thing? So you and I went over and took a look at it. I just was all smiles walking through the place. Yeah. And I'm just giddy talking about it because uh, this is a property that we've wanted to own, that I've wanted to own, and it's one that we're going to keep in our portfolio a long time. But it represents a pretty big project. It, it is a big project. We've got uh, perhaps even a little bit of structural issues in the garage and uh, full uh, uh, quite a lot of remodeling. But as we're doing that, we're really trying to preserve the charm yes. of this home. It's got kind of a farmhouse feel to it. There's even some wallpaper that just seems to work in yeah. there, you know. And yeah. So it's going to be a really fun project for us to do and, and kind of crack into in here over the winter. So, you know, well, we're out there looking for stuff are, all the time and picking up yeah. properties. We're, we're actively people investing. Ask us, people ask us, uh, is it a good time to buy real estate? Yeah, I, I still think it's a good time to buy real estate. There's opportunities all around us. The the, uh, the financing is easy. Uh, the rates are awesome. So it is a good time to buy. And, you know, I love to own properties that are unique. 
and interesting. Yeah. And um, today we want to talk about what it is that you should consider when purchasing a property, uh, an income property. And I just take such a different approach than you do. I mean, we've talked about this before. I'm a gut investor. I like that property. I think it's sexy. I think it's cool. I think people are going to love to live there and call that home. And I just go in there and I just can feel it, right? And you have some of that too. So I'm not going to say that you're all numbers and all fuddy-duddy boring stuff, but then you have to come (laughs) back to the office and you've got to analyze it and get out your spreadsheets and all that stuff, which is so important. It is important and it is kind of boring, but if you're going to be a real estate investor, you know, I I love our partnership because it works for us, but you may not have a partner. Uh, So you might have some of this intuition, but then you're going to have to learn really to calculate cash flows, return on investment, and Mm -hmm. and look at other metrics to determine whether this is going to be a good property. Otherwise, you may get yourself into some real trouble. Well, if you're considering a property, maybe you ought to just bring me over and Jared over at the same time, (laughs) and I will tell you why I think it's a winning property, and Jared will bring his laptop and and show you why it's a winning property. Well, we love it when our intuition and the numbers match. I yeah. mean, that's the best type of uh, uh, Can I a make scenario. A th- in full disclosure, I just want everybody to know I uh, don't even really know how to use Excel spreadsheets. <laughs> so I, I just am embarrassed to even say that, but it is true. I wouldn't even know how to. I don't have it on my computer. I don't know how to use Excel spreadsheets. So when we talk about analyzing a deal today, you have built some amazing spreadsheets that can kind of help people do that. And you're always happy to share those spreadsheets. Yeah, I'm happy to share them. But what I really like to have people do is build their own. And, you know, this doesn't take extensive Excel knowledge. You could do it. But I I found that when you build your own, you know what goes into it and you're more confident in in those numbers. I mean, I've looked at some very, very complicated uh, spreadsheets and underwriting models that have to do with syndication. And there's various different types of debts and timelines and cash flows. I mean, it can get incredibly complicated. And if you just start plugging in numbers and you don't really understand how that spreadsheet's set up, not as good as if you built one from the ground up because yeah, you're really going to learn a lot of stuff along the way. But really what we want to do today is just look at some of the income and the expenses so that if you do have a property and you feel great about it and you see the vision of it, do the numbers really match up? Does your intuition and the numbers both cause you to want to buy that property? So let's just start really quickly um, with rental income. Uh, people come to us all the time how do I know what this home is going to rent for? And the answer is, well, you know, we can probably give a a ballpark, but it's all market-driven. It's supply and demand. We might be able to get a certain price out of one home in June, and we're not able to get that same price out of a very similar home in February, right? True true statement. So very much market-driven supply and demand. And so a lot of times what we're doing is, you know, we're, we're, uh, putting a property up for rent if the phone call phone calls are coming in then we probably have it in the right ballpark if they're not coming in then we may need to make some adjustments down mm-hmm. until the phone calls start to to come in and then it results in showings and applications right. so but prior to closing how how can you figure out what something's going to rent for well maybe that's where we got to start too is when you're picking out a good rental property and you want to analyze this thing Sometimes, frankly, you don't have the time to do it. So as we've always said, if you like a property, make an offer, put it under contract, 
and do your due diligence. Now, sometimes you can analyze a property pretty quickly. Sometimes you can't. So don't miss out on an opportunity. Put this under contract, and then let's start working the numbers with yep. you. So I think that's an important point. I think that's important. I think there's some good resources out there for people. I mean, <clears throat> you can call your property man a property manager. Now, of course, we do manage properties. We'd be happy to help you with that. If you're here local, uh, we'd love to. You're welcome to call us up and pick our brains uh, mm-hmm. to figure out what something might be worth. Uh, but, you know, if you're in another area, uh, form a relationship with a property manager. They're going to be able to tell you about what that's going to rent for because they may have something similar to that in that same neighborhood that's renting for X amount of dollars. Yeah. Um, local um, listings for rentals. Now, here in Utah, we use KSL.com as a, a pretty powerful housing classified listing system. You can go on there and look for some comparables. Now, those are not what homes have sold, or excuse me, what homes have rented for. It's what people are asking for them, right? Yeah. You know, that's a good point because, and this is a tip for tenants, it's a negotiation. If, if a landlord was asking seventeen ninety five, if you're a sharp guy and sharp gal and, and you go to the, uh, the landlord and fill out the situation, you might offer them sixteen ninety five. Isn't that funny how tenants don't negotiate the lease very often? We shouldn't tell people that. But that is a true statement. But this is a business, right? So you have to get to the projections and getting to that number. What is this going to rent for is really where all of this calculation starts. Yeah. And so we, you know, that takes a lot of market knowledge yeah. to get to that. So finding comparables, whether that's through some online classifieds, through your real estate agent, through your property manager, preferably, you're going to kind of get an idea of that. So you're going to put that in the top line. Now, there's all, some properties have ancillary income. Sure. They might have some laundry facilities that you can gain, you know, earn some money on. Maybe you can charge some extra for some parking in certain situations. Uh, maybe you're able to charge some of the utilities to a tenant. You may be able to um, provide internet mm-hmm. uh, for them and maybe mark that up a little bit. There's nothing wrong with that, especially in like a fourplex or eightplex or 16plex. So there's lots of different ancillary income. So make sure to account for that in your calculations. Uh, I, we actually have managed properties. Uh, I can think of a duplex, for example, in Provo that it, it was on a large lot. In the back, there were, I think, four garage units, and those were all renting out separately. So there are opportunities maybe to increase that income. Okay. Yeah. So the income side is not as, you know, is not as long as maybe the expense side. And so I wanted to run through a couple of different expenses because sometimes people think, okay, my cash flow is what this thing's going to rent for minus what my debt service is on that. Mm. And you will very quickly find if you look at these other expenses and you know about these other expenses that that's going to paint a much, much different uh, picture. So first of all, when you buy this property, you're going to likely get some financing on it at some point. And so one of your bi- biggest expenses is obviously your mortgage payment. Now, what is included in mortgage payments generally? Well, that's a good question, and we get asked this quite a bit. Um, here's the deal. Typically, when you buy an income property, you're putting 20% down. In many cases, the lender will allow you to not have to escrow for taxes and insurance. In other words, if you really want to increase your monthly cash flow, you may choose to pay your taxes and your insurance when they come due once a year, right? Jared and I have too many properties. 
our fall would be destroyed if we had to try to come up with all the cash to pay the real estate taxes that are due. So we always escrow uh, in our payments. So it would be principal interest, the tax portion for the month, and the uh, the insurance uh, portion for the month. I think uh, that is the way to do it. If I had one property or 20 properties, that's how I would do it. Some people yeah. like to keep their, their cash together and then, you know, pay those off. But I think it's important to have it as part of your payment. Uh, I do too. Now, you're going to put, you mentioned you put 20% down. In most cases, again, we're talking about just you go get a conventional loan, 20% right. down. It costs money to generate that loan. Yeah. What are some of those costs? Well, we it, we refer to those as closing costs. I mean, closing costs can be anything from loan origination to doc prep to, you know, uh, an owner's policy of title insurance. Uh, everybody who touches the file gets a piece. Appraisals. <laughs> Appraisals. I mean, it's just kind of crazy. So closing costs can uh, add up to be upwards of 3%. And the seller, if you can negotiate that with the seller, they can pay up to 2%. On, yeah. on uh, one of those kinds of loans where you're property. not going to own or occupy it. Yeah. Uh, so we try to conserve cash and have the seller contribute towards our closing costs in many cases. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's costs associated with putting that loan together okay. for sure. So you're into it, you know, 20% plus another 2 or 3% for closing costs. Along the way, when you buy that property, you know, we are big fans of home inspections. Of course. So you might spend another $450 uh, for a home inspection to make sure that you know what you're buying. You might get a home warranty, although a lot of times we can ask the seller to pay for a home warranty, but yeah. we've encouraged a lot of our our, uh, our people to get a home warranty right. on the property. Okay, so then you buy that property. You actually close on it. You've, you've now parted with all that cash. You've got a home uh, maybe that is not rented out yet. Now, if you're buying a duplex or a fourplex, maybe you've got instant cash coming yeah, in but if it's a home then you know, a lot of times these homes require a little bit of rent ready yeah. uh, expenditures mm-hmm. maybe what are some examples of those okay so this is where you know we've learned a lot over the years right um, and we still do this because there's just opportunities it would be awesome if you bought uh, something that's completely turnkey for example I've got some 1031 investors right now and we've been out looking at a lot of properties guess what they decided on uh, purchasing a brand spanking new townhome. Yeah. So if you want to go that route, you can. You can certainly go the route of you know getting a great deal on something that needs a tremendous amount of work and it's a full overhaul, super cash intensive. Yeah. Generally speaking, you'll buy something that's in between, right? It might be 20 years old. It might be uh, you know 10 years old. Even if it's five years old, you have to go in there sometimes and touch up paint or repaint. You got to get in there and put some new carpet in there, maybe some new light fixtures. What we are trying to get to is rent ready. When you and I flip a home, that's a different thing, right? We're trying to cure all to make that the very best it can be, and we'll spend forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars on a yeah. total overhaul. We're thinking that a good rental property uh, that uh, just needs a little tuning up, maybe five to upwards of ten thousand dollars to get that rent ready. Yeah. And you want to cure anything that's going to drive you bonkers down the road. Sure. So. And, and disrupt the life of, you know, the of the tenant, you know, yeah. their daily living. If you've got yeah. a problem that, that could be solved as soon as it goes out, but you can head it off by doing it before they even take occupancy, it's going to be a lot easier for you. Yeah, rent ready things are are you know making sure the place is clean. I mean, we can rent things that are dated, but need they need to be clean. Uh, we need to make sure things are functioning. 
Yeah. We may need to make sure that there's no liability issues. So safety. if you've got right. some safety issues, you're missing handrails, you're missing smoke detectors, you're, you've got loose steps on the deck, mm-hmm. th- that's how you need to prioritize. And then you can move on to some cosmetic things. But make sure to take care of some of those basic things and making it rent ready. Okay, mm-hmm. so now we've bought the home. We've got it ready to put on the market for rent because we've just gone through a, a little bit of tune-up, some light remodeling on that. And so we get the, uh, the uh, uh, advertising put together, photography done. We put it out there for rent. Hopefully we attract an application. Uh, we're not going to talk about that whole process of getting somebody signed up, but I just want to make sure that people understand on a monthly basis what they're then paying. Mm-hmm. So you've got your rent income and all your other ancillary income. You've got your um, debt service on it, your mortgage, which is going to generally include your taxes and insurance. Some of the rentals that you might buy might be in a homeowner's association fee, even single-family homes. It's yeah. very, very common to have a an HOA fee. We just bought one in Saratoga Springs. It's $35 a month. Yeah, it's okay. a nuisance. But so you need to put that on your spreadsheet, on your uh, cash flow analysis. Legal fees. Um, you know, if you were to set up a an LLC, which I would suggest that you do, especially if you think you're going to add more properties to your portfolio or already have multiple properties, mm-hmm. And so we've just done some entity creation recently, and uh, that's going to cost you, with all the filing fees, somewhere around $795. Now, these are not monthly fees, but these are costs involved in in, uh, renting this place out and and owning a rental property. Um, I won't even talk about eviction fees. If you have to get to that in the the future, you don't ever really want to plan for those, but that can happen. And by the way, you shouldn't be paying, you know, $2,000, oh, yeah. $3,000 for an eviction. I mean, a few hundred dollars is what an experienced landlord, tenant, uh, attorney charges for an eviction. Yeah. Hey, on that point, I remember my first rental property ever in Provo. Uh, this guy skipped out. I don't know where he went. He must have had something happen in his life. He skipped out. I didn't get the rent. I knew an attorney, and I was like, can you help me? I'm 24 years old or 25 years old, something like that, when I had this property. I knew an attorney. I said, could you do an eviction? What's the attorney say? Of course I can do an eviction, right? Yeah, they have a law degree and a license to practice <laughs> I it, law. The it cost me like $1,200. The guy didn't know what he was doing, but I just paid for an education, right? Yeah. He, he learned how to do it on the job training, which yeah. a lot of attorneys do. That's a really good point. There are some amazing attorneys that specialize in this all day long, and there's no unknowns, right? They just know, is this how much you're going to cost? And I'll have them out and whatever. Yeah, it's it's a flat fee. I mean, you know, if the the tenant wants to um, go go show up for court and they've got to go to court, they're going to charge you some money there, but it's generally they know what that's going to cost. Can I also make one other point? I mean, we've been managing properties for how long now? 14 14 years. years. I think a full eviction, maybe what have we done over 14 years? Just a couple dozen? I mean, not much. I mean, of tenants that I've personally placed, it's been very, very few. Um, We've had um, probably less than 15. Really? Um, I don't place all of our tenants anymore, but I have an excellent track record of uh, avoiding evictions, like less than 10, over 1,000 tenants probably. Wow. So it's been pretty incredible. But... uh, Anyway, um, accounting fees. If you if you got a single family home, you know you could account for it yourself. But uh, you know when you start, you know we manage some a forty eight plex. We manage we've managed six plexes and twelve plexes and twenty units here and uh, that sort of thing. 
the accounting can get a little bit much. Mm-hmm. And so you should be setting up, especially in the case of like an eightplex or an apartment building, a set of books yeah. for that property, for that entity in which you hold that property. And that could cost you $100 a month or $200 a month to outsource that out to a bookkeeper. And so those are real costs. And then you'll also have some tax preparation. So there's some some additional forms and documents that your tax preparer needs to fill out if you are a rental property owner. And it's going to add to your overall cost of your tax return. Or will it? Because a great accountant can really maximize everything that you're entitled to. Hey, no question. And so you, you might come out a whole lot better ahead. And remember, when you have an LLC, some people are used to doing their own taxes, right? They're W-2, pretty easy to do. Right. But once you start owning rental properties and you put them in an LLC, suddenly you can't do your own taxes. And um, so, so be really careful of that. Well, it, and it gets complicated. I mean, we are way, I haven't done my own my own taxes for 15, yeah. 16, 17 years or whatever. I mean, it's just way too complicated yeah. with all the stuff that we have going on. So, you know, hire that out because a good accountant, a good CPA is going to find you some tax credits and some money that you didn't know is, you know, yeah. in within that tax uh, return. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, repairs and maintenance. This one is really hard to estimate especially the repair side of things. You never know when the furnace is going to go out. You never know when you're going to have some sort of plumbing issue. You can anticipate things like a roof usually. Uh, You could anticipate flooring uh, needing to be replaced. But some things just catch you off guard. Mm. And so you'll want to put something in your analysis, something Mm. in your spreadsheet uh, maybe based off historical information, if you're buying an apartments or something like that, or something that just makes sense, you know, two, two or $300 or whatever the case may be, depending on how old the home is or how new the home is, um, just uh, put something in there. Now, as far as maintenance goes, you can budget in for that. I sure. mean, you, you're going to know pretty much what it's going to cost to mow that lawn. Um, if you have some snow removal in an apartment building or something like that, you can get that bid out and you can budget for that. So those are some things that you can kind of wrap your head around, but that, that repair piece is always a challenge. Yeah. Well, that goes back to the statement of let's get these properties rent ready and cure everything that we, that we know about sure. that could be wrong, head it off at that moment. And then that property shouldn't really nickel and dime you over the next yeah, few years. It I mean, should be pretty stable for a few, few years to yeah. come. You, you, you had, hopefully had a home inspection when you bought it. Right. And if you go through that home inspection list, and maybe there's some things the seller didn't want to fix or you couldn't get negotiated, you know, concentrate on getting some of those things fixed so that you don't have further problems down the road. Yeah. Uh, property management fees. Obviously, we're in the business, so it goes without saying we're big fans of uh, people hiring professional property management. But you may not be at that point. It may not make sense to you. Uh, We feel like we pay for ourselves and save you money. But you should, in your analysis, put a line item for property management, even if you decide to manage it yourself. If the deal still works with property management in it, then you've got yourself a a good deal. I've often joked that people ought to manage their own uh, properties, at least the first couple of them, so that uh, when they get tired of it, 
and they hire a property manager, they'll be a little more sympathetic, <laughs> a little more understanding. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's great. I think it's a great perspective it's to have. Great perspective. Uh, we don't want people to be landlords, as we said before on this <laughs> no. uh, show. But uh, but to have that perspective, I think is it's part of that learning curve. It's part of being educated. Yeah, and property management is one of the most brutal businesses. I think it's you can very be. tough. It's a very tough and thankless job. Yeah. Fortunately, we have a lot of clients who really heap on the praise, and and yeah. we so much appreciate hearing from we them. We do. We do. But, you know, consider putting property management as a line item in there. Sure. Uh, we've had pretty low vacancies in this valley for a long time. Right. And, uh, you know, Salt Lake and Utah County, uh, it's been amazing to see the vacancy rates are ha- have been so low. And we've really enjoyed that as landlords. But should you factor in some sort of vacancy rate? I suppose so, but I see a lot of investors get really hung up on that and to the point where they have analysis paralysis. That's sort of the make or break for them. I'm going to put in one month's vacancy a year. And I'm like, that. that's not even remotely close to what you should factor in. Depends on the property, um, I suppose. Yeah. But um, a, a lot of our single-family homes, they don't come up every year for yeah. for vacancy. I mean, they we have tenants that renew at generally a higher rate than they, they, when they moved yeah. in. So... I think you sh- you should consider it. Yeah. Probably put a little something in there, have some reserves for vacancies. But is it something that you put in your monthly cash flow analysis? That might be something to consider. Yeah. Um, utilities. Well, certainly have you. So let's just say we're kind of discussing all kinds of properties right now. I mean, the utilities and landscaping and snow removal, things like that on a single family home are, are those are responsibilities of the tenant. But we're trying to address anything from single family homes to to condos because you talked about HOAs, for example, and all the way up into multi-unit uh, right. housing. So I think um, absolutely you have to understand what the utilities are. Some of our properties in Provo, for example, are old properties that have been converted into a fourplex. Uh, our sister owned this great big Victorian home down in Provo by BYU, and it was chopped up into five units, right? Well, they don't have, a lot of those properties are legal non-conforming. They don't have five separate gas meters. They don't have five separate uh, electrical meters. And the water sewer garbage is, you know, it's one it's one bill. Yeah. So you as, you've got to understand as part of your analysis during your due diligence process, what it is that you're gonna be paying for as a landlord, and how are you going to sell that to the tenant? in exchange for a higher rent, yeah. pass those expenses to your tenant. Right. Um, you know, again, lawn care, if it's a single family home, you know, if it's a commercial building, we pay for lawn care out in our commercial building. If it's a uh, you know, fourplex or something like that, you know, sometimes you can put a tenant in charge of that, but we've had varying uh, success with that. Uh, sometimes sure. it's not gone really well. So hiring it out professionally. Now, you could go and do it yourself if you want to, It's uh, especially if you live close by. But but factor that in, things like that with like snow removal. Here's one that's a little bit obscure, but this happens in our commercial building. It happens in our apartment buildings that we manage. Keeping a fire extinguisher, getting getting the yellow ticket on there, uh, make sure that that's <laughs> updated every year. A business license or rental license costs. Okay, so that's uh, becoming more of an Orem issue. Orem City right? is moving yeah. that direction. So of course, Provo City has had a business license, and other cities have too. And then uh, we're really sad that Orem's doing that because we have a lot of properties here in Orem, mm-hmm. and um, I don't think that's the right move. So I'm going to follow that debate, and uh, I think they're going to do this, but yeah. I'd still like to give them a piece of my mind yeah. as a property manager and as a, an investor here in Orem. But 
certainly uh, it's kind of an interesting philosophy, right? We'll give you a business license, but we need to come out and take a look at the property. And, and so it really it's just an excuse for the city to come put their nose in your business. Yeah, for sure. And so. they're they're generating some, some revenue and some income there. But, um, um, you know, make sure you understand what kind of licensing requirements are in your area. And then reserves. I think you ought to be budgeting in a certain amount of money every month going into your checking account for this property um, before you start putting some of that money into your pocket or spending it yeah. on, you know, your vacation or living expenses. Well, we're asked from time to time, how do we sleep at night? So we have a lot of properties and we've got quite a few loans, etc. It's reserves. That's the answer. Yeah. Oh, it makes it's, you sleep way better. The, that's the complete answer. It's the cure-all to everything. Yeah. You know, to, uh, just this week we had to place, replace a double oven in a nice property that we have. Double ovens are expensive, right? They are very expensive. Yeah, we still kind of cringe. Oh, I wish we didn't have to do that. But guess what? We have the money in the reserves. It's the cure-all. You know, we've got, I just, the one house that we have over there in Orem by Costco, that furnace is still oh, yeah. running. Yeah, we bought this property seven years ago, yeah. and it was the, it's, I think it's the original it's furnace the original from the 76 or something like that. Yeah. And that thing has not gone out, but we, every year we think it's, we're it, probably This winter it. may be the winter uh, that it goes out. And, uh, you know, so we have a very comfortable reserve for all of our properties, and I think that's a really good point. Uh, that you just made. Uh, you are so much more comfortable owning rental properties when you have a little bit of cash to take care of those emergencies. Okay. okay. So after all of your analysis, Jared, let's just say this property doesn't cash flow. What do you always tell well, people? Well, I mean, this is a pretty overwhelming list and it's probably not exhaustive. There's probably some other things that we could put on that list. And so, you know, you're scratching your head wondering, well, how are you making money in real estate? Yeah. Um, is there any money left over at the end of the month? Why would I even want to invest in this mm -hmm. if there's no cash flow? Well, we've had other um, podcasts about reasons to invest in real estate. And, um, um, you know, just as a reminder on a couple of points, your cash flow is going to continue to increase as rents, in my opinion, will surely increase mm -hmm. in this valley uh, with the economic uh, outlook. I just see that rents are going to continue to go up while your mortgage payment stays the same. And some of these costs that we've outlined today are going to be fairly fixed, not all of them, but fairly fixed, and you can budget those. And so what's cash flowing not great today will cash flow in the future. Yeah. Uh, I think that's one way to kind of help your, you know, yeah. get yourself into a deal. But there's yeah. other reasons. Well, we, we've talked about this. It's cash flow. It's principal reduction because the mortgage is going down every payment that you make. Yeah. Um, it is the tax benefits, um, which includes depreciation on these properties. Um, and then there's the appreciation piece, which we try. Of course, we've been spoiled with appreciation over the last yeah. decade. Uh, so, so we try not to highlight it. But there's definitely this, uh, this uh, idea of the home appreciating over the next 10 years, 15 years, however long you hold it. So this is why we, why, why we do that. And by the way, real estate, if it does not cash flow, is not the only investment you're probably making right now where you're feeding on a monthly basis. Yeah. Am I right? There's a lot of people who have, uh, have all kinds of vehicles, mutual funds, 401ks, IRAs, etc. And uh, you're feeding those every month. Yeah. Right? And you're hoping to have a return when you're 
59 and a half. Well, I can almost guarantee you, you'll have a handsome return if you buy a piece of real estate at the age of, what are we, 41? Uh, it will have a pretty good return at 59 and a half, mm-hmm. certainly before that. Yep, I, I think that's a good point. We definitely want to cash flow on our properties, but there may be a month that expenses just exceeded your income, and and I don't get too bent out of shape on no. that, especially if you have some reserves, uh, because you'll, you know, depreciation, I think you just mentioned that on your taxes. There's just so many reasons to invest in real estate. So we just kind of wanted to get people's wheels turning today with this episode to really understand what the true costs are of owning a rental property. Not to discourage you. No, not at all. But to educate you and keep you from making a mistake. And I just think uh, being able to set up your own spreadsheet, it doesn't have to be elegant or fancy or anything like that. But something that you can plug some numbers in when you're evaluating a deal and it spits out your cash flow, your return on your investment, your cash on cash, ROI, I mean, whatever metrics you are interested in evaluating, it's going to be really, really helpful. And uh, the more you do that, and you know, any, you, maybe you're not in a position to buy something, but you, you could certainly practice analyzing a deal. You could make a goal to analyze two deals a week. And then when you are in a position to buy, it's just going to be, you're going to have those numbers. You're going to know what property management costs. You're going to know what things you're going to rent for. You're going to be able to plug in some numbers and be very, very accurate. So we hope you found this helpful today and always appreciate interacting with our listeners and viewers. So, uh, you know, like and subscribe to our podcast and our channel. Any closing remarks from you, Justin? Uh, Buy real estate. Buy real estate. (laughs) It's a great investment. It's been good for us, and and uh, we sure enjoy sharing some of our knowledge with you. So we hope you, you appreciate it.